Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming back again and listening to Stephanie and I and our guest. Our guest today is Don Murphy, and I'm so excited to have run across Don. You know, I always tell you how I find people, and usually I find them through my best friends, Google and Amazon, and Don is no different. So Don, it is so great to have you with us today. Before we go too far, would you please give our listeners just a bit of your background, please? Sure. But first, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I'm happy to be here. I got to say, though, I was um, more than just a little bit nervous when I received your invitation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as an accountant, I am not used to speaking with a group of people without a slew of spreadsheets laid out in front of me. I understand. (laughs) So, yeah, because numbers make sense to me. They, Mm -hmm. They work for me. Grief is really complicated and really messy sometimes. So, yes. So, (laughs) easier to talk about the numbers than that. (laughs) Right, right. I read your book, and the title is Good Grief, Trekking the Wilderness of Loss. I was captivated, I have to tell you. Now, I'm a wordsmith. I'm a writer. I love to read. I love to, well, I love to have written. But I want to know more about your choice of words for the title, especially trekking and wilderness, because those have such specific meanings. So why did you choose those words? Wilderness. That was a simple one. But (laughs) my grief just felt so wild. And it was like I had been dropped into this dark and spooky forest and I had no idea which way to go. I just felt like I was wandering around in this wilderness, just hopelessly lost. Right. But the hiking part of it, hiking came to represent to me just how drastically my life had changed and mm-hmm. how much I had lost because John and I used to do a lot of hiking. Every weekend we'd throw our gear into the camping van and head off into the back country of the county. And sometimes we'd camp, but a lot of days we would just spend the whole day out exploring some new peak or some new remote area or mm-hmm. hiking the trails that we loved so much. And I just loved hiking and <laughs> it just fed my soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just taking a step onto a dirt trail. I just felt like I had was flooded with this sense of peace and freedom. Right. When John died though, I couldn't hike anymore. It was mentally and emotionally. I was unable to do it. It just, that, Thing triggered so much emotion in me that instead of that sense of peace that I always felt, I would just be filled with despair while I was hiking. So right. I stopped doing it, but also because physically I couldn't do it anymore. I have no idea what this is all about, but grief is really exhausting. And it's like a, I call it an energy vampire. It just sucks <laughs> all my energy. And yep. I. I had no, I didn't have the physical ability to go hiking anymore. 
But by the time I got to the end of this book, by the time I finished writing it, I knew exactly what I had to do to start to heal. I had to find my way back to the hiking trails. So Mm -hmm. how it kind of came together as the title. It was two things. One, I felt like I was lost in this wilderness, but two, I knew that I had to get back to the hiking trails if I was going to heal. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it's those two words that really drew me to your, to your book. Wilderness, exactly as you described it. If I close my eyes and I think of the word wilderness, I think almost of a desert, you know, with nothing Mm -hmm. in sight, maybe an occasional piece of tumbleweed or something, but there's just nothing, nothing for sustenance, nothing to save me. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's all up to me. So that's what wilderness, that's how wilderness spoke to me. And trekking to me is more than hiking. To me, mm-hmm. hiking is just kind of a casual walk through the woods and everything. Not that I do that, but you know that's what it means to me. But trekking to me means you've got that 75-pound backpack on and you've got boots and the trail is rocky and bumpy and hardly marked at all. You hardly mm-hmm. even know it's a path. That to me is the trekking part. So those two words for me yeah. describe grief so clearly. Because not only do you feel totally isolated, but you really have to work hard Mm -hmm. to move forward. And like you say about the energy vampire, it's exhausting. It really is. It really is. But I I love the entire analogy. The, The trekking that, yeah, the title, the trekking or hiking reminds me, our family always went every fall to the Adirondacks and we would walk usually the same trails because the boys were still young. And, but one year it would be an easy trail. And then the next year, like an area would be flooded, you know, and we'd have to go, oh, well, either we can try to get over this or like we have to turn around. We're not, you know, or another time I remember it, all of a sudden there was, it was flooded, but then there was a beaver dam. So we had to try to walk over the top of that. So, I mean, that in comparison to grief too, is, is, you know, that normal trail that you've always hiked life, you know, has always been this way, but now all of a sudden there's a roadblock or, you know, it reminds me of like your triggers during grief where you'll be fine 10 years down the road, you know, when your loved one has passed, but all of a sudden a smell or something just very little Mm -hmm. will hit you and just send you right back. So that's what I took from that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now, so many of the words and phrases you used in the book evoked emotions in me as I read. At a few points, I even heard myself laugh out loud. Not something I commonly do while reading. I live all alone. Well, just me and my bird. But I laughed out loud several times. And I compared it to, I've read many, many books that deal with grief, many personal accounts, many memoirs, many that are more, I won't say textbook, but a little more scientific. And so many of the books kind of tell you things that are intended to make you feel that what you're going through is okay and everything. But you actually take the reader right along with you on your grief journey, which I loved. Now, I especially enjoyed in your book, your retelling of your freak show grocery shopping trip. Would you tell our listeners about that? I love this story. (laughs) Yeah, the dreaded grocery store. Yeah. (laughs) I actually had quite a few freakish episodes at the grocery store. (laughs) In the 
what I wrote in the book was kind of a melding of the first three that I went through. So the first time I went out, I went to this little produce market down the road and it's also a, a Middle Eastern market. John, I loved to go there. That was our store of choice. We'd spend all a lot of time in there just looking at everything on the shelves because every and we had to figure out what was in those things because there were only pictures that we knew and because everything else was in Arabic. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, so that was I decided to go there. It's, it's small. I thought, okay, I can handle this. It's not so big and overwhelming. So I walked in there. I immediately went to the cheese counter. They had a beautiful cheese counter. You could find eight different kinds of feta cheese there. So I I go to the cheese counter. I ask for a quarter pound of Bulgarian feta. And by the time she handed it to me, I just burst into tears. I was standing there holding this pink bag full of feta cheese, just sobbing. And I didn't know what to do. All I could do was pay and run out of the, the store in my car. So I went home, made a plan. I thought, okay, well, I really need some groceries. So the next day I went to another store. It's a um, one of those natural food stores. Okay. Again, I thought, okay, not very crowded, not a lot of people hanging out here. And so I walk in and I first thing I do is I go to the wine section because I was desperately needing a bottle. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> and I was standing there as I was trying to decide what wine to get. My knees just buckled and I just sat there on the floor and just cried. And I just happily I had my sunglasses on and I just sat there hoping, oh my gosh, I hope nobody wanders over to the wine mm. section to get some wine to go with their organic granola or whatever. <laughs> so, happily, I wasn't in too much trouble there. I got up when I could, put my little basket away and just bolted home again. I oh. still, no groceries. <laughs> so, and I, I couldn't go. That day was shot for me. So I made another plan. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to the regular grocery store. I'm going to put my sunglasses on in case anything goes sideways. I don't have to worry. about I go in there and it was fine. My knees didn't buckle. I had a plan. I knew three aisles that I was going to get to, and that was going to be enough. And so I cried a few times while I was in those aisles, and but I was able to actually get some groceries into my basket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was yeah. It's still, in fact, I um, I got in the habit because of that. I always wear my sunglasses into the grocery store now, even <laughs> if it's dark and rainy outside. I have my sunglasses on, and about a year ago. Yeah, about a year ago, I had forgotten them. I left them out in the car because it was raining. And and when I got to the cashier, she looked at me and she said, oh, she said, I always wondered what you look like behind this. (laughs) 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 And I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, all the employees in there, they must just refer to me as the crazy cat lady with the pink hair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was just, you know, so descriptive of how even what many would consider the simplest task, the most routine task, 
right? It can become so very difficult. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I just loved that section of your book and I was hooked before then. But when I got to that section, that definitely hooked me. <laughs> well, I'm glad it made you laugh because, yes, um, reading about grief is not something you usually laugh at. And what? laughter is so essential yes. for people in grief. Yeah. You know, it just it gives us a chance to take a step or two outside of all of that heaviness. It right. Gives mm -hmm. Little bit of room to breathe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know, yes, I laughed, but it's only because it just felt so real to me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I could see that happening to me. I you know that that could be me. So, well, I um, say that the hot sauce aisle sends you yeah. emotional. Yeah, that, yep. that, those get me. Yep. So the hot sauce aisles always get me. They make um, me smile because it makes them. me think yeah. of they, them. Well, so they, they do make me smile now. Yeah. At first they didn't. At first it was, you know, bittersweet. But yeah. now I, you know, I instantly see a bottle of hot sauce and think, Tom, you mm -hmm. know, Any, anyway. Uh, yeah, that is fascinating. And, and I love your book. And I love the way that, again, you take people right along on your grief journey. That was important to me to be able to get people to 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 feel like oh yeah that's happened to me man i yes. understand what that is yeah yes. and yeah. yeah so i'm glad that you said yeah. that thank you absolutely don early in your book you describe grief quite well calling it a thug that comes in and steals everything then while you're trying to understand what's missing it kicks your ass all over the place what about your grief journey made you feel this way I know that was a little graphic in my book description of grief. <laughs> uh, it, it was perfect. It's it was fault, perfect. right? <laughs> in my mind, for some reason, death and grief are related, but they're two separate things to me. Right. Mm -hmm. So death to me robs us of so many things, right? Mm -hmm. and it just takes away that person that we love and all of the things that were associated with that person. Mm -hmm. So for me, I lost, you know, my husband, my best friend, my hiking partner, yeah, you know, right. my vision of the future. I yep. just lost so much. And then grief comes along and, and gives you this whole different set of problems to add to your <laughs> stress pile. Right. Right. Like, so I lost my appetite an unhealthy amount of weight. I lost my laughter. I developed health issues. I, you know, I, I, there were so many things that just happened because of the grief itself, what it does yeah. to your body. And it just felt to me like, oh my gosh, <laughs> right. that's just adding insult to injury unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so it just felt like somebody, it's like somebody coming along and socking you in the stomach after somebody else has already kicked your ass all over right. the place. Yeah, it is. And I, I usually connect them, you know, my husband died, I'm grieving. To me, it was like automatic. But I love the way you separate them. And when I think about it, and kind of break it down, yeah, that is what it feels like. Because the death part, I mean, you have this very mechanical routine that you have to go through after the death. You know, you have to decide on the funeral arrangements. You have to go through all of that. You have to do the calling hours, the funeral, you know, write the thank you cards, right? Do this, do that, do this, do all the legal papers and everything. That's the death part of it. 
And then just about when you think, okay, finally done, bam, there's grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really liked the way you described that. And again, as I thought about it and my personal experience, I realized, yep, that was it. Grief came along afterward and kicked my ass mm-hmm. all over the place. <laughs> yes. Yes. Together, together, death and grief, they're ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> grief yeah. alone is just relentless. It's yes. like you said, it's just day after day of having to go through all of those emotional. It, mm-hmm. it is indeed. Mm-hmm. It is indeed. There's another section in your book that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, it c- relates to journaling. Now, we've had a lot of guests on our show, maybe not a lot, a few. And we've talked about writing, about journaling, um, and how many therapists recommend it. But in your book, I saw something unique, and it made me stop and really think about it. It's in Chapter 9, and I mention that in case somebody else buys your book and wants to go right to the journaling Mm -hmm. part. It's in Chapter 9, everyone, so go buy the book. You offer us a sentence or two that you have journaled. But at the end of your entry, instead of just ending it, you add something with each day's post with the label of intention. And then you state something relatively simple that you're going to do to kind of turn things around a bit. I just loved that because so many times we talk about journaling, get your feelings down on paper and everything. You know, uh, January 22nd, I've had a really bad day. I think I was mean to my kids. <laughs> but, and that's where it would normally end. But if from that point you say, intention, I'm going to think about things before I respond. And that's it. Just a very simple intention that changes the whole concept of journaling. And I just loved that. So thank you for that idea. <laughs> now, how did you come up with that and why? I'm not really sure how I came up with that specific thing. All I know is that I had started journaling because I thought, oh, well, all this chaos in my mind, if I could get it onto paper, maybe I could deal with it better. So I had started, and, you know, people, like you said, you've talked to people who journal. So I thought, okay, well, maybe journaling will help in some way. Well, for me, I stink at journaling because <laughs> all that and nonsense going on in my head. I was just copying it to paper. And so my notebook was just as chaotic and messy as my (laughs) brain. (laughs) So then I just started, when I would wake up in the morning after I got a cup of tea or something, I would sit down with my journal and I would just write, how do I feel right now? How do I feel today? Because every day was different. All day long, it can be different, right? right? So, mm-hmm. so just in that moment, how did I feel? Can I deal with just these particular feelings? So I would write those things down, not a lot, you know, one, two, three right. things at the most. And then I would set this intention, okay, now that I know what these emotions are, why are they happening to me? And what am I going to do to figure that out and deal with them for the rest of the day? And that also gave me a way to kind of ignore all the other chaos because I just had these particular emotions to deal with that day. And by setting an intention, I was kind of, it kind of calmed my mind because it gave me a way that I felt like, oh, I'm in control. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
instead of grief being, you know, instead of being at grief's mercy, I can be a little bit in control of this instead of my mind just running wild mm -hmm. wherever it wanted to go. So that's right. how it started. Yeah. And even yeah. It's simple things, it didn't have to be anything big because, you know, when you're grieving, you can't do anything that's intensely thought. <laughs> I know intensely. No. I mean, it could be so simple as I'm going to take a shower today. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It can be that simple. Mm -hmm. Or, or I'm going to make sure I eat a healthy lunch. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's it. Or something like, okay, I'm going to make sure I practice patience with myself today. Yes. For all day long. And yes. so that just gives, for me anyway, gave me a right. way to just focus and deal with the emotions one or two at a time right. instead of being right too overwhelming that's right. great to me that's something that can help you move forward yeah. and keep moving along in your journey and maybe for people that feel stuck feel like they're just not getting anywhere that might even help them little by little because mm -hmm. even if you do one little thing at the end of the day you've got to feel good if you said all right i haven't had a shower in a week i feel terrible i you know and your intention was today, I'm going to take a shower. And you yep. do that mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you have to feel good about that. Right. And so I really see how those intentions can help yeah. keep people moving. So yeah. I, I do well, that's that. healing. I like that very, very That's good. one it small is. little part of healing each day. So. It is. Yeah. yeah. And whether it's grief or whatever you're journaling for or about, I mean, if you have depression, anxiety, whatever it mm -hmm. is, if you're stressed because of your job, anything like that, if you can end with an intention, I think that's got great potential. Yeah. Yep. It helps me, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. On your website, donmurphy.net, you offer this thought. We lean into the joy in our memories and the truth in our hearts. These are what keep us from becoming hopelessly lost. They are our true guides in the wilderness. From them, we learn how to sing our song again, and we find our way home. Don, have you found your way home yet? Yes. <laughs> All right. Yay. <laughs> yes. But it's Good. been a really long and crooked path right. for me. Mm -hmm. It's been six years since John died. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have found my way back home. But. It took me a long time. I had only, I wrote this book two years after John died. And I was only just beginning to get my legs underneath me again. Mm, so, right. yeah, but no, I did because for a lot of things, a lot of things were given to me, gifted to me from the universe that helped me along. Mm -hmm. But there were some things that I did on my own because it's always you know an inside job as they yeah. say you got to figure mm -hmm. it out so mm -hmm. for me and this is natural I think whenever you entwine your life so completely with somebody else when if they die it's so natural for you to feel like part of you is gone yeah. too that's true yep. so that, that's what I struggle with most and that's that completely marked my journey mm -hmm. in grief. I just lost myself. I didn't know who I was anymore. I just yep. could not figure out who I am in a world without my beloved John. Who, how do I exist? Yep. So 
yeah, and I, that's what that's what was such a struggle for me. And then I remember reading Wallace Stegner's memoir, and he said in his memoir, he said, he said, I may not know who I am, but I know where I am from. And those words just resonated with me. So, and I, I thought about that for a long time. And then I thought, you know what? I, I just started leaning into my joyful memories, the love in my heart. And once I started doing that, I got a sense of myself again. And I learned how to start living my life again. So that, and then I found what I call my way home. I, because I found that sense of me again right. and then I was able right. to go forward and because before I couldn't I just couldn't go anywhere I didn't know right. anything that was going right. on yeah so, yeah and there are, there are still days when I find myself back in that dark and spooky sure. yep sure it's not as scary anymore to me because I know I know the way out I know I, I kind of found a path for myself that, right. that I can rely on and lean on yeah yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. And and um those your expression just makes me so happy. Yeah. You know, you're you're glorious. Yes. Yeah. And that that's great. And and I felt the same way and I remember saying to Stephanie after Tom died, I I feel like I have to redefine mm -hmm. myself as a as a human being yeah. because I I I don't know who I am anymore. You know, everything I had done, my entire routine, my lifestyle and everything just disappeared yeah. while yeah. I was taking care of him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, redefining yourself and getting home. Now, even though you consider yourself home, and I also appreciate and respect very much how you say that you still get lost now and then on that path, but you know the way home now, which is good. So it's a shorter trek, if you will, through the wilderness. So do you consider yourself still grieving? Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. I, I, you know, in my book also I talk about, I'm sure you read, Mm -hmm. one of my little quips about the meltdowns that happen to people yeah. in grief. Yeah. So I still have those. It's been sure. six years. Mm -hmm. I had one just last month and, and I, it's, it's awful. It, it, those meltdowns, I call them grief attacks. They just mm -hmm. come on and yeah. I have them. They're very few and far apart now, but mm -hmm. they still happen. So yeah. yeah. But so mm -hmm. yes, I absolutely grieving. I, I yeah. don't think anybody ever stops no. grieving. Well, that's, that's how we feel as well. I, you know, I feel like I'm going to grieve for the rest of mm -hmm. my life, but yeah. it, the grief changes because you kind of mold yourself around it. It becomes part of you. It becomes part of your persona. It becomes part of your routine. It, you just, it all adapts mm -hmm. and molds itself around, but it's always there. And it's there, as you say, in those memories and in that truth in your heart. Yeah. It's going to be there. Oh, yeah, because it's like you said, it's always there and, and it changes because I think it itself doesn't change. We just learn how to carry right. it. And well so said. Yep. We get stronger and we get strong enough to carry it. And right. I will say, I didn't, I never would have thought about this before or thought this to be true before. We human beings, we are capable of holding both sadness and joy mm -hmm. in time mm -hmm. we can do that it doesn't yeah. it seems impossible when at the big at the early sure those weeks months years of grief but we can do that so yeah mm -hmm. so i when i say i 
I have found my way home and I've learned how to live my life again. It's a life that includes the sadness of my loss, right? But right. it's no longer paralyzed. By right. That. Yes. Yes. I think that's important yes. for people to hear because if they have found their way home, though you're going to have those little setbacks, no matter what you're struggling with, grief or not. Um, and I just want everybody to know that that don't feel like a failure because you do have those little setbacks. It happens to everyone, no matter how long it's mm -hmm. been going on. So, right. There's, there's actually a psychiatric label for those. There's an acronym. I want to say STUGS, like spontaneous something of grief or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But there's a, actually an acronym for those um uh, for those little outbursts yeah. that we have after we think it should be gone. over, we should be done. <laughs> but we're never done. We're never done. I know. I know. Well, sadly, as always happens, our time is winding down for today. But before we wrap up, we want to give you a chance, Dawn, to speak directly to our listeners. They've listened over the past little bit, and hopefully they will understand that they're not alone that there are those who have walked before them, those who are walking with them, and those who will start their journeys after them. So this is your chance to speak directly to our listeners without Stephanie or I directing you by questions. This is your turn. Thank you. Yeah, you know, when I wrote Good Grief, this book, I wrote it as a way to help me make sense and to come to understand and come to terms with my grief. But when I decided to publish it, I published it hoping that I could help somebody else just by letting, like you said, just by letting people know, yeah, it's true. We all have to do our grief alone. There's no way around that. But I just want people to know that they're not alone, that there are others mm -hmm. out here. We, we understand how unbearable the pain can be sometimes. So I hope that by publishing this book, it helps just a few people understand exactly what you're saying. And then I also hope, I hadn't even thought about this when I wrote the book, but when it came out a few months ago, somebody said to me, some, he said, he said, you know, he said, if my husband dies before I do, he said, I'm going to buy two cases of your book and hand them out <laughs> to everybody who asks me how I'm doing. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Brilliant idea. That way, he what a great idea. Understand what he's going yeah, through. Yeah, and bother in the book. It might give somebody a jumping off point to actually have a conversation about grief. Yes, that that exactly. makes because it's just grief is surrounded by all this awkwardness because people yes, it is. don't know what to say. It's just yep. Yeah, yeah. So I thank you two for for having these conversations and for the grace that you bring to them that I'm sure you must be, a lot of people must be helped by, by this. We, we hope so. And, you know, in, in trying to help others, I know it helps me immensely. Yeah. Um, I think one of the reasons that I am doing as well as I am on my grief journey is because of this mm -hmm. podcast. I know it's been over a year now and I just feel so much happier yeah. and so much more comfortable, yeah. settled, serene, peaceful um, for all the episodes we've done and all the people like yourself that we've mm -hmm. met. Uh, it's 
been incredible for me. So, but thank you yeah, so thank much. You. And thanks. Thanks again for being our guest to our May listeners. Absolutely. About the book availability in general sure. is available on Amazon, of course, but it's right. also um, available at any local bookstore. They can just mm -hmm. order it. But I wanted to mention this um, specifically. It's available on um, bookshop.org, which is an online bookseller that donates its profits to independent brick and mortar bookstores. Oh, so I just want to make yeah because it's not something that automatic people don't automatically go to bookshop.org but it's a oh, i'm gonna check them out because i buy a fair number yeah. of books i'm gonna check them out i like that idea hmm. yeah like that idea great. very much so thank you for that uh, yeah i'm gonna pass that along to others as well that's super so listeners here we are again saying goodbye for another week you know the drill take care of yourselves you're not in this alone there are many, many people out there. We have listeners in 55 countries. You number in the 57 thousands. now. That should let you know. It's 57. 57 I literally countries? just looked a little bit ago today. That's really exciting. Countries. Actually, we're on er every continent except Antarctica and Antarctica. So I wish the penguins would start <laughs> to read, you know, really. Um, maybe we'll ship them some books. But at any rate, you know, listeners, truly, we love you all. You're not alone. And just please come back. We'll, we'll get you again. We'll have you all with us again next week. Take care of yourself as we all continue to live and grieve. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.